Hello, Carrie. Thanks for coming on the podcast today. Sure. Thanks for having me, Shane. Good. I'm, I'm excited for our conversation today. Um, you're a, a very inspirational person. You're a coach, a life coach, and you know, you're a pioneer of the uh, Jomo uh, mantra, which is the joy of moving on, right? And you essentially, you work with clients all over the world to help people to manage their lives better, deal with stress, overwhelm, you know, create balance, build up resilience, and really just, you know, find a better and healthier and happier way of, of living life, right? And uh, it's such a powerful thing that you're doing because it's so important in our world today you know there's so many people that are suffering from all of those things and just uh not knowing what to do about it um so how how did you kind of get into this field like where where did it come from yeah thank you for for saying all of that um yeah so well jomo's been around for quite a while actually um I'm not exactly sure when it kind of hit the scene, maybe about the same time that social media did with everyone speaking in acronyms now, like LOL right. and WTF, you know, but, um, it, it was sort of initially, uh, said to be the antidote to FOMO, which is the fear of missing out, which for someone like me, who I would describe myself as an extreme extrovert as someone who really doesn't like to miss out, who wants to do all the things all the time and, and, be a part of it. Mm -hmm. Um, the traditional Jomo stands for the joy of, of missing out. And it was sort of that antidote to the people like me who say yes to everything to the point of overwhelm and exhaustion. It was this whole mental mindset to say, you know, find the joy of saying no and missing out. But for me and the personality that I just described, that it really didn't work for me. And, and so I changed it to, as you said, the joy of moving on. And that really came in 2017 when I was in the middle of my stage four colon cancer battle. Hmm. Um, I, yeah, I just, as, as you might expect in a, in a cancer battle like that, when I'm going through chemotherapy and radiation and I'm having to have surgery after surgery, there just was so much in my life that I was being quote unquote forced to mm -hmm. miss out on, you know, forced to quit, forced to stop not being able to attend. And it, it was, I was really struggling. It was really hard for me. And a girlfriend of mine said, you know, maybe this is the time for you to finally embrace Jomo. Right. And I was like, okay, I hear you and thanks for sharing, but <laughs> it just really, I don't think that's going to work for me. It just feels so counter to my personality. And it also feels like it's a bit of, well, I guess I'll just figure out how to be happy, mm -hmm. how to find joy that all of these things that I loved to do are now no longer possible, at least at the time, no longer possible. Right. So in thinking about it like that, I thought, you know, I'm actually, I'm going to change it for myself. I'm going to change it to the joy of moving on, which means how can you, you look at what's happening in your life and look at the things that you're quote unquote missing out on or, or that have changed for whatever reason and examine those things and what parts of those things do you still want to keep? Why do you want to keep them? And is there another way that you can 
give that to yourself, that you can achieve that feeling, you can complete that task in a different way that does support and is in line with where you are at the moment. Mm-hmm. So an example that I use a lot was during this time, a girlfriend of mine was celebrating a big birthday and she was thrown a, a big party and I really wanted to go to show her my love and support and celebrate this big one with her. And there were also some other people at, that were going to be there that I hadn't seen in a while that I wanted to reconnect with. But the joy of missing out would have said, well, I can't go because I'm tired and my immune system doesn't allow me to be around that many people. So I guess I'll just stay at home and figure out how to be happy with that by watching a slasher movie or something to take my mind off of it. Right. Yeah. But then as soon as the movie's over, I'm just bummed. Then I'm sitting there thinking, or even during the entire time, I'm like, oh, what are they doing? And are they having a good time? And I'm so sad I'm missing out on that on that party. Well, the joy of moving on would say, okay, well, the reason you want to go to the party is because you want to show your friend that you love her. All right, we'll call her up and set up a one-on-one coffee date. Mm-hmm. Ask her if she can come over for lunch. So you can love up on her and give her her present and and wish her a happy birthday and tell her how proud you are in a space that works for you. And those other people that you wanted to see to catch up with, do the same. Call them up and either have a phone conversation or a FaceTime with them or set up a one-on-one coffee date with them as well. Because then you don't have to miss out on what is the true reason why you want to go. Right. And you can still stay within, you know, what works for you at the moment. So that's how, that's how Jomo came to be for me. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a very powerful tool that, you know, you're able to utilize because it sounds to me like it's about the loss of control that mm-hmm. can be very upsetting, right? Mm-hmm. Which I think mm-hmm. most of us can relate to as well to varying degrees where, you know, life happens and, you got to deal with whatever's happening, right? Yeah. Um, for you in that case, it was this cancer um, situation. I mean, not situation, but, uh, yeah, you know, life had dealt you this hand and mm-hmm. there were all these restrictions that you had to follow. And, um, you know, it comes down to being able to say, okay, well, am I going to just sit here and be unhappy about it? And that's going to be the whole experience or, can I still figure out a way to do things that I want to do despite it? Right. Yeah. And so for you that you found a a great alternative, which is just connecting with those people individually because you couldn't go to that party or, you know, whatever it is that would work for a person in any given situation. It's like, if you can step back, identify in yourself, what's really going on, what you want and why you want it, then all of a sudden, and you're not fixed on the one solution that right. you can't do, right? Then it starts to open up um, various alternatives of like, okay, well, there's other things I can do. Maybe it's not the number one choice, but maybe it's number two or number three. And maybe those are just as good, or maybe they turn out to be even better because you could spend an hour with each of those people just one-on-one, right? Instead of exactly. 10 or 15 minutes at a party, um, cause there's so many people to talk to, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You're, you're exactly right. I mean, life, I recently did a blog post about how, um, for me, this whole pandemic that we've all are still in some ways going through 
yeah. felt a lot like cancer mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. But but for what was coming up for me as we were all trying to navigate the unknown of this, it, it felt really similar to my cancer diagnosis and my cancer journey. You know, in both cases, they kind of came out of nowhere. Yeah. Right. At least that was the case for mine. They, they just came out of nowhere. It completely shut down life as I knew it. There were all of these rules that you needed to follow to keep yourself safe. There were all of these things that you could no longer do. I mean, I, I as your listeners can probably hear, am from America, but I am currently living in Amsterdam. And so that instantly made my family very far away. Mm-hmm. You know, and there, and, and the, the rules kept changing. The information kept changing. The, the time we were going to have to spend in this quote unquote new normal kept extending. So we kept like, okay, we're almost out. Oh no shit. We're not. Yeah. <laughs> okay. We're almost, you know, and it's, this was like this crazy roller coaster ride, which was exactly my experience through cancer. Right. I kept getting, okay, in six weeks, we're going to reverse this colostomy. Oh no, wait, we can't do that. This other tumor has grown. So now it's radiation. Okay. At the end of that. And it just was all this constant start stop that indeed, like you said, left this feeling of complete um, uncontrol. That's not really yeah. a great powerlessness. Word, like no powerlessness. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> this complete feeling of powerlessness. And, and almost on some level, it could, it could almost create some anxiety because you get excited for something like the worry of what is the result going to be? What is the answer going to be? Because I keep getting my hopes up and then the answer keeps changing. Right. So now I almost get nervous to get excited, to, to look forward, to make any future plans. I just feel really stagnant and out of control. Mm-hmm. And I think for so many of us in the world, these last 18 months or more ha- have really felt that way. And so again, you know, Jomo for me and my husband was about, okay, we can't go to the States as often as we want to see our friends and family. So now let's set up regular, um, FaceTime happy hours. We'll have happy hour. Our friends will be doing brunch because they're eight hours behind. They'll have (laughs) mimosas, you know, we'll have cocktails and we'll play a game. We played charades over uh, FaceTime. We've watched, you know, with friends of ours who are big friends of RuPaul's drag race, we would have each other on FaceTime while we were each watching the drag race show so that we could like, you know, make comments and, you know, scream at the TV together and this type of stuff. So you just got creative about like, okay, how do we find the joy of moving on in this situation so that we can stay happy, stay sane, stay connected. Yeah. And and we have a sense of control. Yeah. And not lose that hope. Right. Cause Mm -hmm. you're right. That, that constant fluctuation between, Uh, it almost being over and then uh, not really, or, you know, here's some good news and then here's some bad news. And then you kind of get, can get to a point where you're just like, I'm not even going to just hope for anything anymore for this pandemic. Cause it's like, who knows what the fuck is happening and it's all bad. And I mean, it's very understandable and reasonable to reach those conclusions. Right. But if you stay there, then you're in for a miserable time, right? Until you either pull yourself out or someone pulls you out or something like that, that something changes, right? Where you make that decision to be like, okay, well, I can't do exactly what I want. Um, so how do I, 
what's the next best thing, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. You know, that's it's it's so true because even though it feels like you're totally helpless and you're so out of control, the one thing you always have is is choice, right? That decision mm-hmm. to make a pivot, to do something different, to embrace Jomo and find, you know, find something that does work in the situation and you know, like with my cancer, it it was happening. And I could choose, and I did for a little while. Well, when it first happened, I was super angry and I was really pissed off and I thought it was terribly unfair. And I was worried about the future and, and I didn't want to die. And there was a moment when the doctors told me I might. Mm-hmm. And, and I was like, this is bullshit. I'm, I'm 41 years old. I had so much more life I wanted to do. I was really angry about it. Yeah. Angry at and the I world. Totally. And I could have stayed there. Mm-hmm. I could have stayed there in that space and, and cancer still would have been happening and everything that I went through, st- I would have still had to do, but staying in that place of anger and hatred and unfairness to what was happening and really towards the lack of control mm-hmm. is really what I was upset about. Just made everything that I had to do anyway, more miserable. But if I could pick myself up, dry my tears and look for the golden bits that were happening. The, this one-on-one time with these people that, I mean, how often do you get that? Right. Yeah. But I don't know if it's just because of the pandemic or if it was because I was going through this hard thing, but people made time to spend one-on-one time with me. Yeah. You know, this pandemic has caused a lot of us to, to forced a lot of us to slow down, which to what you said earlier has, I think for many of us showed us a quote unquote, better way, Mm -hmm. a new way that actually works out better and supports us far more than this constant hustle doing, doing, doing FOMO thing. Yeah. So to look for these like sort of blessings in disguise, the silver linings, the little glittery bits, it, it made this cancer that I was already having to do a so much easier to deal with. It changed the chemo appointments to this awful thing that I would be dreading for the whole week leading up to it to like this, you know, I'd rather be doing re- literally anything else, Yeah. but Shane is going to come sit with me today. And I know he loves Mad Libs and, you know, I know he's a big drag race fan and I know his favorite treat is Snickers. So I'm going to get all this stuff and Shane's going to sit with me and we're going to have these three hours together, just him and me hanging out. And so it was something for me to look forward to that made sort of like the whole chemo situation of it secondary to right. this, this other thing that I was going to get to do. Yeah. And that's huge, right? To be able Mm -hmm. to do that because not everyone can, and it makes a difference to everything. I mean, there's a huge scientific literature on how the person's attitude affects the healing journey, right? Mm -hmm. And the more you fight against it and are, you know, very upset and angry and um, all those negative emotions, the more difficult the treatment and often less effective um, effective it is, right? But mm-hmm. people who are hopeful and are, you know, fighting and trying to get through it, like it makes a huge difference, right? And yeah. that applies to to just about everything in these situations where you're going through something terrible, um, and there's a few ways you can look at it and go about your 
business do, dealing with it, right? It's like, yeah, you don't have a choice about it. You can't be like, I don't want to live in this pandemic. It's like, yeah, well, <laughs> you don't really have a choice. The pandemic's right. happening. There's nowhere to escape to. You can't leave the country. You can't, there's nowhere to go, right? There's nothing mm-hmm. you can do about it. And so you can sit and you can fight against it or you can say, okay, it is what it is, right? I don't like it, but that's okay. Um, mm-hmm. How do I still find things that I do like? Or mm-hmm. what opportunities has this given me to reevaluate some some things? Or, you know, how do I find out what's still meaningful to me and that I love doing that I can do anyway, or at least in a secondary, second best kind of option. So exactly. I can't go and see all my friends that I want to see, but maybe I can spend more time now on the phone with them. And they have more time because no one's commuting to work every day. And um, there's all these little ways that you can look at it, right? But um, there's also that point, right, where you have to accept what's happening, which mm-hmm. is very hard for people, right? Mm-hmm. So what was that point for you, like on your cancer journey or during COVID um, where you reached that point like after the anger or the denial where you were like, okay, I accept that this thing is happening to me, right? I don't like it, but I accept it. And now I want to figure out what, what to do from here. Well, was there a defining moment like that for you or not really? Um, yeah, you know, I think there's, I've had, I think over my life, I've had several uh, moments where I've, I've had, I've been standing on sort of this crossroads between change and accept. Right. And I really feel like you, you, you have those two choices in your life Mm -hmm. with absolutely everything. Like there's really only two choices you ever have to make. Is this something that I can change or is this something that I, that I can't change and therefore must accept. Right. And when I think when we say accept, and this is what I coach a lot of my clients on a lot is that accept doesn't mean forever. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that like, Oh, well, I guess I just have to accept this and it's always going to be this way. And it's never going to be different. No, it can be except for right now. Yeah. And so we put, we work a lot on putting sort of expiration dates on the acceptance where you go back and you reevaluate Mm-hmm. the situation have things has the situation changed enough where now i can this is something i can affect and change or do i need to adjust my acceptance with it and you know i think there were small little acceptances and changes along the way of the cancer right in yeah. some ways it was yeah i i cancer's happening so okay i'm ex- okay i've accepted that cancer's happening i mean i didn't really in in that case like I can't change that. So I get to accept it. Right. Okay. So I've accepted the big thing that's cancer is happening. I'm having all kinds of issues with the colostomy that I have. All right. So do I just accept that this, this problem is something I'm going to have forever or can I change it? No, I can. This is, this is an aspect of this that I can change with my diet. Right. So now Mm -hmm. I'm going to get curious and I'm going to start experimenting with different foods and I'm going to start experimenting with different intervals of eating. And can I normalize my digestion so that I can eliminate some of these problems that I was having? And there were, there's all these little moments, I think, where you pause and say, okay, I don't like what's going on. I don't like it. I, for whatever reason, I'm feeling angry. I'm feeling scared. I'm feeling anxious, sad, whatever the feeling is, your body is giving you sensations that are telling you, Hey, wait, stop. 
something's going on. Okay. So you stop, you check in. What am I feeling right now? Why am I feeling this way? What's going on to cause me to feel anxious? Is it something that I can change? No. Okay. Then I accept it. For how long am I going to accept it? Is it three minutes, three days, three hours, three years, three months? Set that timeline for yourself and then re and then reassess at that timeline. Am I still feeling this way? Is there still nothing that I can change about this situation? You know, and then we readjust and, and adjust your sales from there. I think, you know, that's kind of, for me, what life is like is a bit of just constantly checking in and saying, what can I change? What do I need to accept? And, and recognizing that either path you choose is never forever. Yeah. You might change it and then still not like it. So then you change again or you accept one part. And it's just this constant sort of, yeah, shuffling around and building blocks and changing things in this, yeah, shell game almost of just like, how do I want navigating life, you know, floating the river of life, really? Yeah. I mean, and that's the journey that everyone is on, right? Is mm-hmm. li- life's never simple and straightforward mm-hmm. for anyone or anything, right? It's yeah. always full of challenges and obstacles and complications. And, you know, from the the first person perspective, that often feels like a problem um, and that you don't want it to be that way. You want things to just be easy and good and fun and happy all the time. And when it's not, it can be very upsetting, right? But really, those are moments where you look back on it once you've come through and you're like, well, I've grown tremendously as a result of having gone through that challenge, right? I'm mm-hmm. stronger or wiser or more in touch or happier or more aligned with what I want in the world. And, you know, it wasn't a fun journey to go through necessarily, um, but the result might just you know, be worth it, um, Mm -hmm. in in the end. And so, I mean, so this sort of leads me to another question, which one of the big things that you deal with, with people is the sense of overwhelm, right. Mm -hmm. And and heightened, like huge stress from multiple different sources and overwhelming emotional experience. And that can be difficult to accept and change because Mm -hmm. it's so overwhelming. It can be paralyzing, Mm -hmm. right. And so what's the story about how to, how to best approach that? Yeah. You know, overwhelm is, is one of those things that, that feels like when, um, you know, when you, when you, you look at the whole picture at once, it feels, it's hard to see it. Right. Mm -hmm. It's you just, all you can see kind of is like what's in front of your face, but you know, there's this whole big problem situation, a current circumstance and, and, and you just don't, it, it feels too big to handle. So what I work a lot with on my clients is, is one, taking a step back so that we can see more of the picture and then really just starting one small step at a time. So breaking it down into small bits, going back to my cancer journey that, you know, I get it one, the news is overwhelming. So all of a sudden I'm just like, Whoa, it's totally, this isn't what I planned. This is like, news I did not expect. So mm-hmm. that's already sort of knocked me off balance. And then they say, okay, you're going to need to do 12 rounds of chemotherapy every other week. So that's six months. 
And in between then you need blood tests and colonoscopies and CT scans and check-ins with this, with the, with the, um, oncologist and check in with your gastroenterologist, like all the doctors, you know, and, and as I'm sitting there hearing this, I just feel like they're just putting one, another rock on top of me. And I'm just getting buried under this pile Yeah. of all of these things that I have to do. And so what we did, my girlfriend and I sat down one day and we got one of those like big flip chart, um, things and basically drew out six months on there and wrote in every chemo appointment, every doctor's appointment that I had. And on top of that, we wrote who was going to be sitting with me at chemo, what friends were coming into town because at the time I was dating my Dutch um, husband. He was, we were doing a long distance thing. He was living in the Netherlands and I was living in Salt Lake city. So we would write down when he's going to come and when he's going to be in town to visit me and, Mm -hmm. and between treatments when I was going to be going there so that then, and we put it up on my kitchen wall. So then I could come down and I could see it all. And it was one day at a time. What do I have to do today? Just today. I didn't have to think about and try to remember all the other things that were going on. I had written them down. I had made a plan. I just was dealing with today. And then we could exit off. And it made it manageable. It just was like one foot in front of the other. Rather than trying to juggle all the things at one time, keep it all in my head, keep it all trying to remember, I just put it out there and made it easier to to digest and break down. When it comes with emotions, mm-hmm. like the sadness and the pain and the disbelief and the anger and all of those. What was really helpful for me was writing it down, talking to people. I had a coach during through all of my cancer journey. So being able to talk to her about how I was feeling. And sometimes it was just that I needed her to listen to me and her listen to me and not one of my loved ones because I didn't they were already carrying so much for me. They were already holding so much space and love and healing and worry on their parts for me that I didn't, yes, I showed my emotions to my partner, to my Dutchie. I I would say, you know, I would cry and be like, I'm just really sad. And I'm scared about what's going to happen. I I wasn't trying to hide my emotions from him, but it was nice to have someone outside of my circle that I could just completely vent to yeah, and not feel like I was adding a rock on on top of someone else as well. So having someone to talk to, being able to write it down, journal, or if journaling and writing down is not your thing, all of our phones and computers now have voice memos. You can just talk into your phone and just talk about how you're feeling so that you get it out so that you release it and you don't feel like you're having to hold, to hold all of that in. Yeah. uh, That's huge. Right. And both of those points I think is are are crucial of, you know, the scheduling aspect and the emotional, you know, release or the catharsis of um, Mm -hmm. dealing with that. And it's big because when it is just stuck in your head, right, it definitely feels like a lot more of a problem uh, than what's actually just happening in front of you. And all we ever really have is exactly what's happening right now, right in this moment, Mm -hmm. one moment at a time, one day at a time. And whether you're writing it all out, 
because you you know need to have that schedule so you can see oh it's actually it's all taken care of right it feels like a lot when i think of the 50 doctors appointments and or you know the 12 chemo and all that brings with it and oh, it's going to be so much suffering and all these days and everything's just too much right and none of that's happening right now um right maybe one of them's happening right now. Maybe you're at the doctor's or maybe you're going right. to the doctor's later. Right. And that's for an hour in the day. It's right. not even the whole day, but exactly. when it's just in your head, it just feels like a list of problems that are all happening right now. And when you can take a step back from that and say, okay, well, let me just plan it out. Right. Maybe it's, yeah. it's going to change or I don't know exactly what's going to happen, but if I get it out of my head onto a piece of paper or onto your phone, Mm-hmm. It, it changes the nature of it. And it's a similar sort of thing with, you know, emotional experiences where um, you have all these feelings and, you know, thoughts and feelings about a situation and you can get caught up in a spiral of like, it's all happening right now, mm-hmm. right? And I'm feeling all the anger and resentment and fear and sadness and all of that's just too much all at once, right? But then you take the time to, write it out or to speak it to someone or to speak it to your phone or to yourself or to the mirror or whatever it is. And that's amazingly cathartic for some reason, right? Um, Even though that doesn't actually go anywhere or necessarily you're not going to look at it like the schedule, right? You're not going to be like, oh, well, I'm planning my emotions for the future. It just, it helps you to process it, I guess is, is a good word to say, right? Yeah, I agree. I think what it does for me is, I don't know about you, but the voice that's in my head, she's she's not very nice and she's often kind of crazy, the things yeah. that she says inside there. And, you know, with de- with like depression and feelings of sadness and depression, it's often because we're stuck in these thoughts from the past about woulda, coulda, shoulda, you know, mm-hmm. all the things I could have done, should have done, would have done what they could have, should have, would have done, right? We're just all stuck back in the past. Well, that's done. There's no going back. I mean, sure, you can make amends, right? You can ask for forgiveness. You can offer forgiveness. You can apologize, but you can't go back and repeat it. So that's done, right? And anxiety is when when we're stuck all in the future and we're worrying about all of the what ifs. But as you said, like right now is all we have. And so often being able to just Hear yourself saying the words out loud to someone or writing it down or speaking it into your phone can sometimes highlight for you the absurdity of what you're thinking. Yeah. Right? Like, naturally, now that I'm saying this out loud, it actually sounds really kind of ridiculous and not likely whatsoever. So why am I worrying about this? Yeah. And... If you're working with like a coach or a therapist or someone like that, they can ask you quite a bit of questions like, is that true? Why do you think you feel this way? And then you can tie it back to like, oh, well, you know, I've, when I was a child, something happened and now I just kind of, this feels very similar. And so I'm being thrown back into that event that was very scary for me. When reality, it's not anything like that at all, but the, the physical emotions feel the physical yeah. sensations feel really similar. And so then mentally and emotionally, you're chucked back 20 years into when that event yeah. happened. And That's so, always fun. Yeah, right. That's always a good trip, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. 
but, uh, th- so that's why I think processing it out loud, um, is really helpful because it, it, it can release some of that energy around those emotions and help you. Yeah. See that actually what you're feeling is just a whole bunch of other crap attached to the moment. And the moment is actually none of those things. Yeah. It, it's weird how that works, right? Like with the emotional stuff about mm-hmm. when you say it out loud or you, you know, you write it down or you tell it to someone or whatever it is, it, it changes the nature of how you think about it. Um, and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not exactly sure why, but perhaps it's something to do with, you know, what I think about now is it's like, well, when I'm thinking about things, they're usually very fragmented, mm-hmm. right? Um, they're like fragments that I know all of the connections to, well, at least I think I do. And you just get like bombarded with like a thousand different fragments from all over the place that, you know, is, is a huge situation. But then you try and, you know, rationally explain it to someone or to yourself or to your journal. And you're like, oh, you know, it's actually, this is just like one little thing, or it's maybe one big thing, but it's not actually connected to all other things. It just feels like it is because you, you know, your brain's making all those associations and connections. And then some sort of processing happens that allows you to, you know, work through that emotional experience to be able to understand it and then accept it and move on. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, It's it's very curious. It is very curious indeed. And it's like, um, you know, it's almost like your brain is always trying right from the moment that we're little kids, we, we now are having experiences and our Mm -hmm. brain is having to remember and categorize these different experiences, these different interactions to keep us safe. Right. So is this safe? Is this harmful? Is this, does this taste good? Does this taste bad? Does this hurt me? Does this not hurt me? And, and we're having our brain just kind of creates these, these indeed, like you said, these connections and then and then files it, right? Mm-hmm. So if you have a scary experience as a child that makes your heart rate pound out of its, you know, pound out of your chest and your palms super sweaty and your armpits sweaty and you feel like you want to scream and you feel really unsafe, fast forward to 40 years later and those same physical sensation, your bot, your brain goes, oh, we know that. We know yeah. what that, we know what that's this, that's this thing that happened. And you're like, no way, that's actually, it's not at all that thing. I'm actually sitting at the top of a roller coaster and I'm scared because we're about to go over the edge. I'm not in danger at all, but the sensations feel the same. Yeah. Right. And so it's a bit, I think sometimes too, the talking and the journaling it out, the just like processing of how you're feeling and the thoughts that you, that you have in your head help your brain sort of recategorize, recatalog. Yeah. Make definitely. new connections so you can you can unravel or you can un- you can detach that one connection like undo that rope and say, you know, I don't need that anchor anymore. I can attach this to a new anchor. I can attach this to a new meaning, a new feeling that helps me move forward. This one is 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 outdated. It's not accurate anymore. Yeah. And that's the beauty of um neuroplasticity right is that Mm -hmm. you can always change and make new connections and learn and grow you're never stuck in in how things were and it's also good you know i i like what you had said about 
the difference between like communicating with your loved ones and with a coach or a therapist or a journal where there's no, you know, whatever it is that, that prevents you from doing that with um, other people that you care about. It's like, well, this is a real like objective as objective or out of your inner circle as you can get, right? You don't have to fear judgment or repercussions or worry about burdening them or, you know, what they're doing for you or whatever it is. It's like, this is a space where you can just be free to just say what you got to say, you know, try and make those connections. Um, it's helpful to have a person like a therapist or a coach to be there with you to hold the space and can guide you along a little bit. It's not just you free, you know, associating in your journal. It's like, um, they are, they're there with you, right. And, mm -hmm. and they offer a safe space to do so. That's different because it doesn't come with all the strings and conditions attached to having a relationship with the person that you're worried Absolutely. about preserving. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, exactly. I, I totally agree. You know, if in the case of me, I'm not saying that you shouldn't, you know, we're neither of us are advocating to not communicate with your loved ones and your partners. You, you certainly should. Right. Yeah, but yeah. Sometimes there are some of these big emotions that it's helpful to sort of sort it through and work it out with a, with a non-attached third party to then have a productive conversation with your loved ones. My, my partner and I definitely cried and had lots of conversations about the cancer that was going on. But when I really wanted to get deep into my fear and all of that, he also had deep seated fear about what this meant for us, about what this meant for me and all of that. And for me to tell him about all of that stuff, it either could feed his monster, right? Yeah. Or, or we both fall into the pit together because he's equally afraid, right? Whereas if I can talk to someone who's, who's gen concerned for me, but not part of my inner circle, she, you know, like she's my coach. She doesn't know me outside of that relationship. She yeah. can start to be neutral and ask me questions and, and talk me off of that ledge so that then I can work through some of that. And, and I can express my fear and my sadness with my partner, but not like the bottom of the pit kind of thing. Yeah. And, you know, the same is true with like my, my mom, for example, she, she was a breast cancer survivor. So about, I guess it's about 20 years now ago, she had breast cancer. Well, it was a super traumatic experience for her. I mean, breast cancer is very different than colon cancer. The chemotherapy mm. that you get for it is different. I never lost my hair. She lost all of hers. She did a couple of experimental treatments that made, I, I think she ended up getting chemo or some form of it, two different types for, I think a year or maybe longer, a year and a half or something. Wow. She also had to get radiation and did not react well to it. I had radiation and it, it didn't, I didn't have any issues with it. When I got sick with cancer, the one and only time she came to chemo with me was my last session when I got to ring the bell. Hmm. It was too triggering, too traumatic for her. The smells of the place, the sounds, the all of it brought back everything that she had gone through and it was just too tough. Well, you know, and I totally understand that. And I, I'm not angry with her at all for that, but I bring it up to say that like with family and loved ones, we all have our, our own experience to the situation that occurred. 
So for us to talk it out, I'm talking about my experience through my lens. You're talking and do it about it from the experience of your lens. Mm-hmm. And, and it can get all mismatched and entangled. And we can start to feel like we're not being heard. We can start to feel like I'm adding, I'm being a burden to you. I can feel like you, as you said, judged that you might think I'm weak because I had a, I experienced something traumatically and you were there and it was not a big deal for you at all. And you're like, what's going on, Carrie? Why are you, why is this such a big deal? Yeah. You know? And, and so to be able to unpack that stuff with someone who has no connection is incredibly helpful. It's been so helpful for me many, many times in my life. I think I've had a coach or a therapist ever throughout my life since I was probably 20 years old. Yeah. Me too. And And it's huge, right? right? Um, and it doesn't, it's not necessarily for everyone It's just, you got to find what works for you. I mean, some people do it like with a priest or with a, Mm -hmm. you know, some sort of, um, religious something or other, or some people just have a friend that kind of just fits Mm -hmm. that role almost exclusively. Um, Mm -hmm. and it's just very interesting. And yeah, just, you know, just with regards to your mom and how she, you know, um, how you guys dealt with that together. I think, you know, some people could look at that and say, oh, well, she should have come with you or whatever it is a lot more. And I think that that's, you know, not looking at the full picture, because as you say, I mean, it was, it it was reactivating her trauma, right? Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. had that been happening while you were there with her having chemo, I mean, that would have just made it shitty for everyone, right? Totally who's benefiting from that rather than just go see her afterwards or something or have her come see you at your house or whatever it is exactly where you can be good and happy or whatever you know you don't you're not uh, dragging each other down or making it worse for each other you're uplifting right in, in that situation for sure and my mom was a rock star for me during this whole yeah. thing no she didn't come I'm to sure. any chemo treatments but she kept my house stocked with food. She and my dad came over nearly every night and watched movies with me and, you know, got me water bottles. And like they, after each chemo treatment, she and my dad and I would drive down to the deserts of Utah so that I could just like be reminded that there was beauty in the world around. Like she did a ton for me, but yeah, yeah certainly someone could hear this and be like, yeah, but she's your mom. She should have sat with you in chemo. No, she, she did. So she did all the other things. There were you know, yeah. you can't do all the things for all the people all the time. We all have our own stuff. What you can do is say, you know, chemo, I'm not, I think I might have a hard time sitting with someone in chemo. I coach clients some that have gone through cancer and, and the ones that are going through it now, when they talk to me about their chemo that's happening, I can still taste it. Yeah. And I have to work really hard to just breathe and in my mind, remind my system, it's not happening to you right now. You're through it. It's not happening to you. Just breathe. You're simply hearing someone's story. You're not going to get a needle stuck in your arm right now. Like none of it, but I can, I can taste it in my mouth. My Hmm. feet get a little tingly. Like it's strange. It does trigger up actual physical sensations. So you know, what I can do though, is say, you know, I, I can do all the other things, but sitting in the infusion ward, I think that's a little too close to home for me, but yeah. I will be outside the door and take you to get your favorite ice cream. The minute you walk outside, right? Like this yeah. is what I can do. And that's great because, 
as you say, not everything is for everyone to do. And it's good to be able to accept and recognize that and not fight it or try and fight it on other people's behalf or whatever it is. It's like, no, let people sort it out, right? And they know what's good for them and what you think might be good for other people might make it worse for everyone. Yeah. And mm-hmm. who's that helping, you know? Exactly. Um, and, and the attunement that, you know, you experience with your clients going through cancer, that's very interesting. And um, it's a thing that a lot of, therapists experience even without having gone through it but i can only imagine that when it's activating something in you that you've been through it's really intense right Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. because you're not just like what are these weird sensations that i'm feeling um it's more like oh i know what this is and this Mm -hmm. is this feels bad like i'm used to this scary feeling um but yeah but you're not going through it right you're just here Mm -hmm. in this moment sitting in your office or your room or wherever you're conducting these sessions and mm-hmm. um, nothing's happening. They're just, mm-hmm. they're living through it with you and you're just being there with them. Right. Um, mm-hmm. But what a, what an interesting uh, experience it must be. I mean, not fun, but certainly uh, interesting. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is not fun and it is interesting. And you know what, what, I think this kind of goes back in the beginning. You said, you know, I I help a lot of people um, be more resilient. And Mm -hmm. what that is for me, that, that experience that I, when, when it happens is a reminder to me of my resilience, right? It helps me be even more resilient because it helps me catch what's happening and practice staying in the present. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really what resilience is all about like life is is never i mean sorry about it but life is never easy yeah. we have easy times but it's it's all it's up and down and things go well and then something happens and then it goes well again and something happens and then it goes well again and something happens and resilience is about being able to get up faster you know not stay there very long. Even though I've done all of this and I coach people on it, I still get upset. I still get knocked down. I still get bummed out. I still get disappointed. I still have the negative self-talk in my head. But the difference is, is that I have practiced. I don't stay there long. I catch it quicker. I'm able to shift out of it much sooner instead of when I feel that those sensations come on, start to tip over towards anxiety or tip over towards depression. I stay more in the middle of balance and can kind of rock back and forth rather than doing more like a teeter totter kind of thing. Yeah. It's just a refinement, right? And every time that you go through it, you develop that resilience, right? You flex Mm -hmm. that muscle and it gets stronger. And, uh, you know, I mean, when you're working out or what, just as an analogy, it's like, yeah, well, if you're trying to get stronger, you're always going to be pushing yourself to places that are more difficult for you, right? Mm -hmm. So you start off with one pound, that's quite hard, hurts, whatever. Then at Mm -hmm. some point you're like, oh, this is easy, right? So then you go to two and then all of a sudden you're at that damn hard place again, right? And then you do that and then next time it's three or four or 10 or, and you might even be at 50 and for a while it's hard and then it's easy. And then all of a sudden uh, you go to 55 and then it's, damn hard again and it's not the bad thing right it's all that constant progression of growth and strengthening your resilience right in in whatever it is and it's just it feels a lot more real and visceral and emotional when you're dealing with like emotional resilience 
Right. Totally. Yeah. And to use your analogy, you know, and then things happen like a pandemic or cancer that knock you all the way back and you got to start again at one pound. And you're like, this is bullshit. I used to be so strong. I used to be able to lift 50 pounds and now I'm back here at one and this sucks and I hate it. And then your choices, you can remember that you were there before so you can go there again. Yeah. You remember that time is going to go by regardless. So even if I, Mm -hmm. if I stop working out now, I'll never get to 50, being able to lift 50 pounds. But if I just keep going someday, I'll get there and someday's coming anyway. Yeah. Right. And so that is like, that's life. That is exactly what life is. And it's about just, yeah, starting again and starting again and And keep going and this moment and this moment and this moment. Yeah. And it helps knowing that you can get there, right? Like the first time generally is the hardest because Mm -hmm. you don't know what you're capable of. Mm -hmm. Right. So you didn't, when you couldn't lift 50 pounds the first time and you had to start at one and you eventually got there, that's a tremendous, you know, accomplishment. And then you injure yourself or something happens and you got to start again. At least now, you know, okay, well, I know it's true that I can lift 50 pounds or Mm -hmm. I can train to lift it, right, at least. And it's no longer a hypothetical of like, maybe I can't do it or maybe it's for other people or whatever it is. That Those doubts don't even come in. Maybe you get some new ones that come in, but that's for for your new challenge, right? And it's that, that mindset or that attitude, it's, it's, such an important thing to cultivate, right? Um, And you can do it multiple times a day. It's just momentary, right? It's just like, how do I deal with this moment and not fight against it happening, right? I mean, it's the central message of what we've been saying is chill out or... Yeah, totally. Chill be out pre- and, get, and get curious. Yeah, yeah. And be present. Yeah. You know, to use your uh, exercise analogy, it's a really good one because prior to having cancer, I was, um, you know, doing CrossFit two or three times a week and going to, to power yoga two or three times a week. And I could stand on my head and I could, I could do like all these things and I, I could squat, you know, heavy mm-hmm. weight and all of this. And then I get cancer and then for 18 months, I'm not doing any of that. Well, I was, yeah, I mean, those things had to go away. I I was able to do Pilates and and walk in the, and go walking, but much more than that, I I wasn't able to do it. Yeah. And when, and I, and I would cry in yoga class, I'd be so frustrated that like this, I, I used to be able to do this. I was so frustrated at having to start over. Yeah. But Again, JOMO and this, you know, getting curious and being in the moment was about, okay, actually I can reframe this. I can turn this around to say, instead of being frustrated and pissed off that I can't go into headstand from crow pose anymore, I can work on my crow pose in the correct way to do it because before because I was so strong and healthy anyways, I, yeah, I was in crow pose, but I was sort of compensating with all of my other strong muscles and wasn't really doing it with like activating my core and pushing yeah. my arms into the ground and this type of thing. And so now I have the opportunity to build my crow back up in the proper aligned way and sort of quote unquote cheating like I was before. <laughs> right. 
Right. And so there's opportunities to reframe and to get curious and to be like, okay, well, let's see what's possible. I mean, now that I'm having to start over, what happens if I do it like this? Or perhaps, you know, I can take it even further if I do it in the proper stacked way, if we're talking about yoga yeah. and weightlifting as the analogy, right? And so, you know, I'm not, I don't mean to, and my point isn't that life isn't hard. It really is sometimes. And there are moments when it super sucks, when it super sucks. Mm -hmm. And there's always a moment to reframe it to get curious, to see, okay, what is in here? What's here for me to, to learn, to adjust, to grow stronger in, to let go of, to accept, to change, you know, what's happening here? How can I flow and float and be in the moment and work with what I have and just be excited and curious to see what happens on the other side. Yeah. Once I'm through this, you know, and just one one step at a time, right? Mm -hmm. It's like don't get trapped in in the illusion of like a, it needs to all be good now. Or if this one step doesn't work, then give up on the whole process because that that's right. not going to help anyway, right? It's yeah. like be I like the be curious part because it's what I'm understanding you're saying is like don't laser focus yourself on whatever it is your mind's trying to just be focused on, which is usually the problem. Mm -hmm. um, and it's not that you shouldn't focus on the problem, but the curiosity is like, well, let me explore around this problem, right? Mm -hmm. So firstly, well, for me, firstly would be like, well, how am I feeling? Let me check mm -hmm. in, right, with myself. What exactly is going on? You know, sometimes it feels like, oh, I'm just all like, I don't even, can't even explain, like, it's just bad, right? Mm -hmm. Just bad feelings. Mm -hmm. And there's too much, like, fogginess to even, like, work it through. But mm -hmm. then, you know, you can take a step back. And for me, meditation was the sort of way I could do this, was just mm -hmm. be like, okay, well, what am I feeling? What exactly is this feeling that I'm feeling? Not any, even necessarily to name it, although that helps sometimes. It's just, like, just decipher what's going on right? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. whether it's physical sensations or emotional feelings, it's like, let me just see where that is, right? And then mm -hmm. you can get a grip on that a little bit more. And then you that's a starting point. And then the next thing from there is like, okay, well, in relation to this problem that I'm having, right? Um, why are these feelings there? And what did they mean? And okay, that's what I'm, that's the message that I'm trying to, you know, that's the, message that my emotions are kind of telling me about this problem yeah. right mm -hmm. and then that's one step it doesn't mean it solves anything or does anything it's just an understanding right just being yeah. curious of like what's going on right. and then you take it a step further to be like okay well now that i know where i am at least a little bit more clearly than i did before now i can think of actual things to do instead of just being stuck in the problem feeling there can be actual options of like do i want to do this so you know acceptance or change as you were mm -hmm. saying right mm -hmm. so have do i have to accept it maybe oftentimes you do uh, i mean always you have to accept what's happening now right. so it's a little bit crazy to resist what's real in the present moment but uh sometimes there's nothing you can do about it but sometimes there is something you can do about it and then 
real options start to open up and you can be like, okay, well, either I'm just going to move on from this if it's, you know, worked itself out or I can do this or I can do this or I can do this. Right. Is is that the kind of curiosity that you're talking about of just yeah. figuring it out? Yeah, I think it is the curiosity. It's the curiosity of, okay, what, yes, curi- like you said, the curiosity of what am I feeling? What, what physical sensations, what emotional sensations, where am I feeling these to kind of just get, explore a bit, like a bit like hide and seek, you know, what, what's going on here? taking yeah. looking behind all the curtains. And then I think the next step for me would be um, to, to ask myself, what am I making this mean? You know, and, and as it relates to starting a business, for example, you could say, you know, I want to start a podcast, right? I don't know the first thing about podcasts. And there's so many podcasts out there. And what equipment do I need? And what's the software that I need? And yeah. who would I even interview? And what is the point of view that I want to have? And oh my gosh, it just feels so overwhelming. Okay, whoa. Breathe, take a step back. Why do you want to have a podcast? Mm-hmm. Because I feel, you know, you start to, we just start to ask why. And if you don't have it, what, what is, what are you making that mean? And the fact that you're feeling nervous and overwhelmed by everything that needs to happen, what are you making that mean? Oh, I'm making that mean that I don't know what the hell I think I'm doing trying to start a podcast. Who do I think I am? Right. Yeah. Okay. Well, is, is that true? Is that what happened? Did you? try something in the past that didn't work out. And then people around you didn't support you and said, see, I told you that was a dumb idea. And are you attaching all of that to this? So it's a bit of just like, let's just find out what's happening, happening, happening. (laughs) And isn't that fascinating? So that's happening. That's a new word. I just happening. I like it. Yeah. Happening and fascinating is happening. Um, Yeah. But that's, that's the idea is to just like, "Hmm." and then, and then, just get curious about trying stuff, right? Yeah. Let's just see. I mean, I don't know if this is going to work, but let's try it mm-hmm. and see what happens. Oh yeah, actually this worked, part of it worked out really well and part of it not so much. Okay. So then let's pivot and let's try something else. And we just kind of continually course correct and get curious about what's around the next corner. What's behind the next emotion. What's the next right step. What's the next outcome that's going to come. Cause I mean, the truth is, None of us know what the hell we're doing. You have a podcast. If I wanted to start a podcast, you'd be a great resource for me to say, Hey, Shane, I'm thinking of starting a podcast. You know, what, what's some of the things that I should know? What equipment would you recommend? What software things have you tried? And you could tell me your experience and then I'm going to need to give it a go. And I might say, you know, Shane recommended that I use this platform, but I've tried and it just, I don't know. It's too hard and cumbersome for me. I actually like this one. Great. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. So that's, yeah. Curiosity for me is just like continuing to ask the question, why and what does it mean? And what's next? And feel good about it, Mm -hmm. right? Feel good about the curiosity. It's not like fearful curiosity. It's excited and uh, like exciting in an anticipatory way of like, maybe like this might be awesome or this might be great, or maybe it's not so much, but you know, when you focus on the good parts of it, then it's an exciting journey to have rather than a fearful one, right? Um, exactly. Yeah. It's a where, bit where like possible. Being, yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, I, as you were saying that the, what was coming to mind for me is my, my almost three-year-old grandson and just watching him navigate the world and try new foods and try new colors and 
start to recognize himself in the mirror and start to see himself in pictures and start to see himself as a younger baby. So he's starting to recognize like, Hey, that's me as a baby and try out his little scooter and try out his bike and fall and swimming pools. And it's just like, and rain puddles. And I mean, if you ever want a, just a perfect example of, of complete and total curiosity without the fear attached, it is it's kids. And yeah, it's magical. It's super magical. And if there's a way that you can bring some of that child back to be more present with you and in your interactions, life's just a hell of a lot more fun. Yeah. And that curiosity can stay really top of mind. Like, I don't know. Let's see what happens. I, you know, let's see. Let's yeah. try it. No, absolutely. And it's super important. And kids are the happiest creatures around, you know, or the happiest humans, at least. They're always yeah. just, how can I have fun? You know, what's this? What's that? What's that? How do I, you know, that's cool. I want to do more of this or I want to eat all the cake or, you know, just there's no worries. They're not fearful of anything. I mean, they might get scared sometimes, but they're not worrying like, you know, us you know, adults have the anxiety. They're just, just being and exploring and enjoying the world, right? Exactly. They're, they're not stuck thinking about all the crazy things in the, in life. Well, and they're also not stuck attaching all of this other bullshit to it. They're yeah. not, my, my little grandson comes up and he's Oma, Oma, which is uh, grandma in Dutch. So Oma, Oma dance party. And then we put music on and he just dances all over. He doesn't care what he looks like. He's not checking himself in the mirror. He doesn't care. He doesn't care at all. But we, at a certain point, we, we start to lose that and we do start to care. I don't want to look like a fool. I, you know, I, if you're a woman, you're like, my worth is wrapped up in how I look with my hair and my body. Right. I don't want to sound like an idiot. I'm, I'm trying to learn Dutch Mm -hmm. living over here and it's incredibly hard and I just need to be like my grandson. He's three. So he's learning to speak and he doesn't say it properly with all the right pronouns and yeah. adjectives and all of this, you know, oh my dance party. That's what he said last time I was there. Oh my dance party. Yeah. I mean, he's not, oh, grandmother, would you like to have a dance party? But I know what he means. <laughs> and I'm like, hell yeah, let's have a dance party. But yet as an adult at 45, trying to speak Dutch. I don't want to look like an idiot. I don't want to feel stupid. So I get afraid and I hold myself back. And the only thing that's happening is I've lived here three years and I still don't speak Dutch. Yeah. And yes, if I, yeah, if I had given, if I dove in and just been like a child, I'd be fluent. Yeah. And the reality is also that most people would probably, you know, welcome you trying to learn the language and help you and say, Oh, you know, I can't believe how well, you speak, even if you're speaking like a three-year-old, it's like most people are like that. I mean, some people aren't going to be like that and they can really bum you out. But, you know, if you can move past those idiots, you can get to the people who will just enjoy that, this new life of creation, right? And, and applaud you for even trying to learn it because most people don't, right? Yeah. And most people get stuck being afraid and overwhelmed by it. So listen, it's huge. Um, but anyway, listen, I, I think this has been a tremendous conversation. I've really enjoyed it. Um, where can people find you? I'll include links to your website and that in the descriptions. But just if you want to give a, a quick uh, promo for yourself, please do. 
Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks, Shane. It was really a great conversation. It felt super easy. I, I, I really enjoyed it. And uh, the best place to connect with me is on my website, which is carryoncoaching.com. And it's spelled like my name, K-A-R-E-Y. So carryoncoaching.com. And then you can find me on Instagram at Carrie Spranzi. Great. Check it out. Yeah. If you're looking for a coach, highly recommended. Yeah. Yeah. And, please. Uh, yeah, I look forward to speaking with you again. This was a pleasure. So thank you. Same. Me too. Thank you, Shane. Take care. Bye.